0: Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjastad, and with me, as always, like every other episode of this podcast, no, like literally every other episode, not every other one. Ben, am I saying it right? So many episodes. (laughs) Say hi to the people, Ben.
1: Greetings, human listeners, and all the bots who are downloading our
0: episodes and pushing up the numbers, we salute you. As I said before, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists. You can find my work at autoguide.com as well as its YouTube channel. But Ben, you can find his stuff everywhere. Ben, what is the latest place we can see your byline?
1: You can check out the Mazda issue of Super Street. There's some cool wide body stuff in there that I worked on. And you can also look on automobile.com, it is a, an upcoming feature and an older
0: feature that I've just hit. And also, driving line very cool i always think about super street and you adding the word fighter at the end of it because that's what my childhood was full of uh super, uh super street fighter on the super nintendo and, and, and do, you do that all the time no, i probably would have like auto complete in my phone every time i sent an email to someone that super, street, super fighter. street fighter well
1: you know we we had to actually delete half of our early episodes because sammy kept saying super street fighter all the time and, capcom's, and the capcom's
0: lawyers got capcom's to us.
1: legal team their tentacles and tendrils reach far and wide and they shut that down pretty quickly so i thought we were safe in canada but nope no one is ever safe in canada is the end of that sentence <laughs>
0: Um, this week we got some pretty cool cars to talk about, huh, Ben?
1: Yeah, well, you know, pretty cool cars and some pretty unusual experiences. Um, Sammy, I'm going to go first because I'm extremely exhausted. I just came back from Germany and I s- went to a place I've never been before. It's the birthplace of Volkswagen. It's a town called Wolfsburg.
0: And Wolfsburg, Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg. You've never been to Wolfsburg? I thought you have been to Wolfsburg. No, I the, know. like, celebration. The celebration? <laughs> what, is what is the GTI celebration called? Oh, the
1: Werthersee, Werthersee, Werthersee. traffic, which is oh, in Austria, no, no. actually. I messed it up. I okay, believe it's Austria. Yeah. I mixed up. So anyway, um, Wolfsburg is a young city. It's it's 81 years old, which is super young in Germany. I mean, everything in Germany is at least 500 years old, like the bridge you're walking over, the sausage that you're eating, the schnitzel that you're about to eat. <laughs> sausage <is> not <nice.
0: laughs> very old. But the <laughs>
1: recipe for that sausage.
0: Oh, OK. <laughs> very old. Um, but uh, uh, Sir, excuse me. How fresh is this sausage? Oh, just 600 years old, my friend. I'll take two. <laughs> excellent age.
1: <laughs> An excellent age for sausage. Um, so the, the Wolfsburg is so young because it exists only because Volkswagen has its headquarters there, like their production headquarters. They have almost all the cars they build in Europe. It's the largest factory In Europe, second largest in the world, and they built the city around it to kind of support it because, you know, company towns, it's it's not an unusual thing to do. But what is an unusual thing to do is they decided to build the German Automotive Disneyland – adjacent to the campus of the giant factory that they have, and they called it the Autostadt, which is German for Car City, because that is a creative and direct way to tell you exactly what the Autostadt is.
0: Okay, well, when you describe something as the Disneyland of cars, I'm thinking there's tracks, there's off-road experiences, there's all sorts of like abilities to interact and experience cars in a brand new way, in ways that people who don't have access to so many cars uh, never can do. So this is the this is the chance to do that, right? Yes. Here
1: we go. Yes. In a in a lot of ways you're right. There is no racetrack. There is an off-road track if you <laughs> want to get your Tiguan dirty. But um there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens at the Autostadt that is just the kind that of thing. That's stays you, in the Autostadt. Yeah, you know it what does I'm saying, Vegas the, style. It's the kind of thing you would never do in North America. A company would never do this. So the the main hub of the Autostadt is It's the primary delivery center for Volkswagen in that one out of every three Volkswagens sold in Germany is picked up in person by the buyer at the Autostadt. And they do that in like the most impressive technological way you could possibly imagine. They built these two giant towers. They're called car towers because, again, Autostadt, Car City, car towers. It it all links up. Um, And these towers are connected to the main factory. And But it's like an underground tunnel. So when you buy – when you order your specific Volkswagen and you're super excited and you don't want to just buy something at the dealer. You want a very specific type of car. You check all the options boxes. They put it on like this kind of conveyor system and they take it from the factory with no mileage. They don't turn the odometer at all. It gets to this car tower. Each of these towers is 160 feet tall. You can put 400 cars in each of them, and they have a completely automated robot system that parks the cars for you. So, it's—you ever seen that? Have you seen that Mission Impossible movie where Tom Cruise fights a dude inside a giant car tower, and they're trying to get—I think it's a briefcase that they're after. And uh,
0: those those towers... First of all, no, I haven't seen that movie, and you've just spoiled it for me. Now I'm never going to watch it.
1: Don't bother. I mean, Tom, if Tom Cruise is listening, I enjoyed it. Sammy is kind of behind the behind the ball. Um, I can't
0: help it. You, could, you told me to watch all of these Fast and the Furious movies in a single day, and I can't pull it off. <laughs> well,
1: there's only so many hours. I have uh, to
0: watch it in a specific order, the spaghetti order. Yeah, otherwise
1: it doesn't make the sense. Fury. Exactly. Uh, they, otherwise they age at an unusually <laughs> weird... <laughs> Unusual, an unusual way. Um, so these these towers they they, they they can have 400 cars in them, which is kind of crazy. That's 800 cars total, right? But the, I can do the math. <laughs> wow, so suddenly you're on the ball. Um, <laughs> the 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 more intense fact though is a car rarely spends more than 24 hours inside that tower before it's delivered to an individual because they push 500 cars a day through this entire system that's how busy the delivery system is and that's like the maximum of uh, Volkswagen production that's as fast as they can go they told us wow. that they could build what? like a they, they said they have room to build a third tower I don't know why they felt like <laughs> like showing off like okay <laughs> yeah. I guess that's great for Weird you
0: flex but okay <laughs> yeah
1: uh but they chose not to because currently they're at the limit of production like they couldn't really push more cars through and all those cars are Volkswagens too there's 10 percent of them are Seat's and they didn't really talk about that, but uh, everything else is Volkswagen. It's not Porsche. It's not Bugatti. It's, you know, it's specifically the towers are for Volkswagen buyers who show up to pick up their cars in person. And this is where it gets interesting. So the, the the cars, the robot that moves them all around inside, it goes six miles an hour. It's the fastest automated parking garage in the world. We got in this, like, glass cube that got onto the the robot and it lifted us up to the top. It takes 94 seconds to go from the bottom all the way up to the top, and like we had to put seatbelts on and stuff. There was it was I don't know a little weird.
0: Why didn't they just put you in a car?
1: Well, because the cars all belong to people, and we are also a large oh, group, right. and they can't put tour yeah. eggs in there because they're too big; they don't fit. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> so there's three answers you didn't necessarily ask for. No. But uh, when we got to the but top, they just
0: have they just manufactured this giant glass cube for, for yeah. a bunch of journalists. Yeah, but are,
1: are you saying Volkswagen can't do that? You, you don't think they have the ability to? I mean, they could
0: build a third tower. I'm sure they could just build a cube, a glass cube in no time.
1: <laughs> so, so we're in this cube, and the guy who's the, – the tour guide who's taking us up, he's like, oh, have you guys ever been to the Autostadt before? And it seems like an unusual question, but it's not because 2.6 million people have picked up cars there since the year 2000, and millions more have just showed up to hang out. <laughs> so oh. we very much could have been our multiple-time visitor to the Autostadt. But – uh In any case, when we told him no, he started telling us all these facts about it. And, you know, it's called Car City, right? So it kind of sounds like, oh, yeah, city, it's big. We get it. It's interesting. But it's actually a city. It has its own bus line. It generates its own power. It has a bakery. It has florists, which they they told us several times. I don't know why that was important. Uh, It has psychiatrists. And it has hunters, Sammy. (laughs) Hunters, hunters that prowl, prowl the grounds. Yeah, and we're like... For anybody who comes in without without a Volkswagen
0: product, and well, we, they're just like...
1: We, you know. asked, we asked them, like, why why do you have hunters? And they're like, well, it's because, you know, there's a lot of birds, and sometimes they fly into the buildings where we're building the cars, and, and nice.
0: if it gets into the... Nice. <laughs> yeah, birds, they add, like... I mean, especially for the factory workers who are working in the in the factory, when, or the robots who have never interacted with birds before, it's an opportunity. <laughs> okay, first of all, you have no idea what those robots get up to at night. <laughs>
1: (laughs) Second of all, the birds are a problem in that they're like, well, you know, if they get into the machinery, it can make a huge mess. And so we have hunters come in and take out the
0: birds. I don't understand. They think these birds are are like doing their groceries, they're carrying their groceries around. They drop all of their apples and and spaghetti sauce into the machine. What kind of mess are doing? I think it's about?
1: just the birds fly into the gears and then this is like blood oh. all over and then like the car is possessed and the car tries to kill its new owner. <laughs> What's like, with all of these exposed gears? What? <laughs> Look can you think of a better way to make cars?
0: No, I don't know. Okay, exactly.
1: So uh, they also said that... Um, We've
0: got Car City next to Exposed Gear's
1: plant over here. <laughs> they also said they sometimes have problem with deer. They have seven hunters on staff. They have deer getting into the factory yeah, too? man, like, that doesn't
0: seem appropriate. It kind of feels like anyone can get into the factory <laughs> at this point. And they have a hunter specifically for that? Yeah. Why don't they just have security? You know,
1: it seems like closing the barn door after the, the horse has already escaped or the deer has already eaten the seats of a car. But uh, I would tend to agree with you. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So-, so once you get your car, I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to leave. So, oh, good.
0: <laughs> you get to hang out it's not and just enjoy like the a, yeah,
1: You get to hang out and enjoy the many, many other things that happen at the Autostad, like the five-star Ritz-Carlton, which is connected by this road that leads from the car towers that simulates pavement from all over the world, including like ancient Roman cobblestones all the way to terrible Detroit pockmarks. That's um, cool.
0: But any, any Montreal experience for you? No, well, there was big,
1: there was a big sinkhole. <laughs> yeah. And there was a sign that said Montreal. Uh, <laughs> under construction. So uh, you can do that. Or you can go to all these pavilions that they have that represent every other brand that is under the Volkswagen umbrella. So like Lamborghini, Bentley, Porsche. The one we went to was Porsche. And it looked like this spaceship from like War of the Worlds. Like it had that kind of curvy – not the new War of the Worlds, but the old school War of the Worlds. The one that does The radio have, show? Yeah. You might have seen it because it didn't have Tom Cruise in it. Um, but it, it's like this – it's, it's made of brushed steel, and it, it extends out over this pond, and, like, the pond has this hidden stage under the water, because in the summer, they do all these acoustic, they, they do all these, like, performances there, because, like, the acoustics of the curved steel are pretty intense. And um, imagine that, but for, like, every other car company there, like, represented by Volkswagen. There's all these pavilions. You go inside, and there's a whole brand story, and they have models and new cars and, like, a drive experience, like, in a simulator. All sorts of different things. You can cool, just water cool. the grounds if you want to and check out the, the cars in the ducks And, like, the, the, they have cars just sitting in these glass containers that you can check out. Like, they had a bunch of Porsche 914s when I was there, which is pretty neat. Um,
0: 914?
1: 914? Yeah. What, you you saying it's not a, not a real Porsche, Sammy?
0: No. Well, actually, oh, okay. it, that's... No, hold on. I mean, kind of. But okay. no. All right.
1: Don't at <laughs> Sammy for his uh, intolerance of the 914. But uh,
0: of all, like, the special cars to show... I don't know if the 914 should be like that – should be that prominently displayed.
1: Wow. Your sense of Volkswagen and Porsche heritage is strongly different from those of the people who run the Autostadt.
0: That's true. OK. What else?
1: So if you go into – well, you know, maybe to more to your taste is the main building of the Autostadt. The main pavilion has a rotating car exhibit because they have a huge museum – called the Zeta- Zeithouse, I think. and You had me at rotating. <laughs> and and the Zeithouse has like every significant car Volkswagen's ever made, including all of its sub-brands. But uh, they have a rotating display of not just cool Volkswagens, but also other cool cars that are significant in the world of design or in the world of performance. So they had like Ford Model Ts, they had Bentleys, they had uh, all sorts of interesting American cars as well um but they they also had a long line of german tractors uh P- porsche tractors porsche diesels on the main floor uh, sometimes they have race cars there it, it's actually pretty cool it's it's linked to this giant atrium that they have where under the glass floor there's all these 80 globes that light up to show you different information about society about the world about automotive uh represented in a visual way they've really gone all out it's like it's it's acres and acres and acres of Volkswagen branding and Volkswagen love and, like, just everything about the production process, everything about the philosophy behind their cars. If you are really it, – it's almost like a religion, Sammy. Like – it's kind of like going to it church. It sounds a little Yeah, it sounds a little bit like
0: church in a way. Like, like I, a church camp.
1: <laughs> yeah, church you can totally drink the Volkswagen Kool-Aid and like spend spend a few days at the Autostadt and just immerse yourself in Volkswagen culture. And there were people just wandering the grounds the whole time we were there, like older people, families, young kids on the playground. Everyone's just having a great time. And it's it's such a it's such a German concept. Like I, I can't picture this happening in North America. Like there wouldn't be like a Ford world where like a surly UAW employee like punches you in the face as you exit
0: it. <laughs> I don't know. Like I I do agree with you. It is very special. But I'm gonna bring up like, you know, every every region where, you know, the automotive industry has made its impact, if it's America or if it's in Japan, or if it's Germany, um, where else can I can I think of? Like in Korea, there's Sweden. a lot of in Sweden, there's a lot of like local pride in the in the in the car company that has come and put down its roots and, and impacted the country in such a significant way. And so generally, those cars are just really popular. But to me, it's even crazier because would you really go out of your way to to watch or to get your your Jetta or your Golf from the factory um, in this really overdone um, you know amusement park? Most of the time you expect this for a sports car or even a supercar. I know Corvette does this. I know BMW does something like this. I know Porsche does this. I think the only most mainstream model that does something like this would be Volvo in Sweden because I think that's really – it's a little bit um, off the beaten path when it comes to the automotive industry. But I can't imagine going to like – um, let's go to, oh, I'm trying to remember all of the plants here in Ontario and I'm feeling like Oakville and watching my, Ford, and like get my Ford Edge from the factory. I yeah, didn't it really does, does seem happen.
1: like a, like a level of <laughs> owner engagement that just doesn't exist on this side of the Atlantic. And it, I, I don't know if I'd call it an overdone amusement park. I think it's just like a huge experiential and cultural center and, uh, that in itself, I mean, th- there's just – I think there's a national pride associated with Volkswagen that we don't have for our domestic car companies because it's also a small country. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean not not tiny, but it's – this is a very important industry for them. And it, whereas here, there's many different industries. Um, there's a lot more competition when it comes to cars in terms of really huge car companies. But Volkswagen is like a mammoth, giant, enormous car company in Germany. Like they, they are the car company.
0: Right. Um. So we've got all of these – we've got this this whole thing. You just went to go ride the, the glass elevator then.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, at the end of the day, uh, that's what we did. But before that, um, I took a, a, a bit of a spin in a new Volkswagen that I hadn't driven before, the 2019 Volkswagen Arteon.
0: Ooh. OK. Now we're talking. This yeah. is the unnamed automotive podcast, not the unnamed autostat podcast. Let's talk about some cars. The – Arteon is a very exciting car, I think, especially for Volkswagen fans, but even people outside um, of the Volkswagen uh, Love Fest that's there. I suppose it's not a great way to term it. <laughs> you need to bail me out of this sentence.
1: So, the Arteon is a replacement for a car that no one really bought in a segment of the market that has kind of cooled down, but Volkswagen is kind of doubling down on the fact that they still think there's room for a stylish, large four-door sedan that Americans might want
0: to buy from them.
1: Sammy, do you think that is possible?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, you're talking about the car that it replaced, which is one of my favorites, the Volkswagen CC, which was previously known as the Passat CC, I think, which was a really stylish, cool four-door coupe when that, you know, was the term that was just you know, coming into fruition. Um, And I thought it was really special. It felt like a premium, a a truly premium special Volkswagen vehicle just before that step to Audi, if you get my drift.
1: And, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned just before that step to Audi, because there are some people who would call the Arteon an A7 in everything but name, just in the sense that it's targeting the same demographic at a more affordable price because it has that sloped roof. It has a hatchback, which the CC didn't have, I don't think. I think, that has, I think the CC had a traditional trunk. I think you're right. It's a uh, 2.3 inches longer than the CC. So it's bigger inside it. Honestly, I rode in the front, I rode in the back. It felt very much like a Passat, which is a good thing in the sense that the Passat is super roomy, very comfortable and easy to drive. Uh, it's not necessarily great in the sense that no one cares about the Posada in North America, which is too bad because it has a lot to bring to the table, even though it was, it was, was the previous generation was fairly dated tech-wise. But it was it was a comfortable car, as I mentioned, a good commuter and a good family car. And the Arteon is kind of like a more stylish version of that. It has a 268-horsepower 2.0-liter turbo four, which is a lot more... That's a
0: good-sounding p- engine, actually.
1: It's a lot more power than the old CC. It's not particularly yeah. quick. It's maybe a little bit slower than a four-cylinder Accord, with a turbo, but it's on the, we were on the Autobahn doing 130 miles an hour and there was no issues with the car. It felt completely stable and it felt in its element. Um, The car, it's, it looks good. Like we mentioned, it's eye catching. It's unusual in the front. I find it's kind of chunkier than you would expect from something that's replacing the CC, but design has really moved forward since that car was first introduced. You know what I mean?
0: Right, absolutely. Um, I need to talk about this. Why make another, you know, essentially a skin for the Passat? I mean, the Passat, if you're making a car that drives so much, so much similar, similarly and feels so similarly inside, why just go through that, all that effort to make a car and, and just call it a different name? I mean, I, it seems I, like a bizarre mindset. Do you know what I mean?
1: I don't have a good answer for you because I feel kind of the same way. It's almost as though Volkswagen is gambling that maybe one of these cars will work out and then they're just going to move forward with the one that does because the Passat still does not sell in large numbers. Neither mm-hmm. do any of the large sedans, really, in its segment. It's not necessarily a Passat thing. It's just a segment thing. Everyone's buying SUVs and these cars are kind of... I
0: mean, what are you talking about? The Corolla and the... I mean, not the Corolla. The Camry and the Accord are still quite popular the cars. The Passat is much bigger than the Camry. I always thought these, these are all considered midsize sedans. No,
1: to me, the Passat is much more in line with an Avalon. In terms that's of size,
0: interesting. Okay, maybe I'm maybe I'm mistaken on my demographics here. But
1: price wise, I mean, it's about thirty five thousand, I think, to get behind the wheel of an Arteon. So that's mm-hmm. you know that's the upper end of a of a Camry. Yeah, um, it's and it, it, inside it looks good. It's not over the top. It's very Volkswagen, which means it's straightforward. It's a bit plain. Uh, it's comfortable though. I've said that three times. Uh, it's quiet, and um, you know, dynamically. Nothing really special, but it's a big car that can hold its own. So I, I think you can't really ask for more than that. What, 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 well, one thing I wanted to tell you about, it's not really related to the Arteon, but it's kind of happened while we were driving the Arteon. We were, we were, okay. in, we were like maybe 100 miles outside of, um, outside of Wolfsburg, maybe not that far, maybe like 75. And we see this sign for this kind of like, like a, a windmill museum. We're like, oh, that seems kind of interesting because I hadn't slept the night before or the night before that or the night before that. So I was kind of operating in what I would call a semi-fugue state that I can barely remember. And um, we end up driving into this – it was it turned out to be a pedestrian path, but we thought it was a road. And uh, we end up at the gates of this weird building that kind of had every possible religious – symbolism represented in its architecture like it had minarets it had uh, the buddha it had christianity uh, in terms of like kind of a cross motif and it also had a giant larger than life statue of what turned out to be mikhail gorbachev the former soviet leader at the end of uh, the the end of the soviet union standing there like completely in marble And we're like, what is going on here? And when we pulled up, the two other cars that were with us had gotten there before us. And they were just abandoned, like, at the gate. And one was open and one was locked. And none of our our co-journalists were with us. And so I called out to them to try and see who was there. And no one responded. And we were getting kind of weirded out. And then everyone came out of this forest path, like the people we were traveling with. And one of them looked at me and said, we need to get out of here before a witch cooks us and put us in a stew. Because we were surrounded by... (laughs) We were surrounded by Gorbachev and windmills, like old school windmills, and it was super strange. Anyway, uh, nobody died, and we managed to escape, but I have no idea what that facility was. I looked it up on TripAdvisor, and all I could find was people saying, you need to see this before it gets torn down. So I don't know if, like, something happened, and um, Gorbachev's no longer welcome in rural Germany, but anyway, an unusual uh, end or coda to my Arteon story.
0: That is really interesting. That's quite the experience. I wish I had something to to mirror it, but I really don't. I'm sorry, Ben. <laughs> when it comes to the car that I drove this past week, it was a Kia, and a car that a car that I um, a car that I think is actually the follow up to the Stinger in a philosophical sense. Now, when we first saw the Kia Stinger, it was a premium, sporty, interesting car from Kia, an automaker that was never really um associated with those terms before you know what i mean like it was a kia, ground
1: it was a groundbreaking car for
0: them and the telluride which is the vehicle that i'm driving now is kind of following up with that that sentimentality which i think is really interesting this is a car that is meant to ensure that people don't just think kia is a point a to point b vehicle this is about a car that you can get uh and feel like you you've bought something that's worth worth buying and not just that's all you can afford you know, and i think
1: it, it's, it's it's interesting to me that you're making this link between the Stinger and the Telluride because I have never considered those two vehicles as being similar until now. And you're 100% right. Like this is – Kia was making its making its presence known in a segment they'd never really touched before at, with the Stinger. And now they're doing the same thing in the SUV world.
0: And I really think that they've done a really good job with their first attempt at this true three-row SUV. In fact, um, I also compared it to the Subaru Ascent here at AutoGuide. And uh, I found the Telluride was, was superb in almost every single way. But I want to start with the styling of this car. They made an impact right away with the styling of the Telluride. This is a car that looks huge. It looks like it towers over everything else. And it's also got some really important um, design elements – for example, the, the name Telluride is stretched along the hood of the, the vehicle, so it kind of looks like a Range Rover or uh, something kind of special in that way. But it also has this massive grille and these big vertical headlights, and every time you get up beside, behind somebody, they like glance in their rearview mirror and they see this big imposing vehicle, and they just move out of the way, and as you pass them, they just gawk at this ginormous car passing them by. It's like being in a real-life Canyon Arrow commercial. I was
1: going to say Canyon Arrow that was what I was thinking. But, you know, it, it kind of does a disservice to the Telluride because I think the Telluride, I mean, it's not a caricature, right? But it definitely, no. it is the it is Canyon Arrow of the Kio
0: world. It's absolutely huge, and it really – it's special. I actually think this is quite a special vehicle. I I did not expect that going in. I thought it would just be another three-row SUV, something like the Subaru Ascent, which just feels in many ways like a giant Forester. And the the Telluride is really not at all like that. Sure, under the hood, the car feels kind of um, normal. I mean, there's a 3.8-liter V6. It makes 291 horsepower and 262 pound-feet of torque. Those are really average numbers. It's nothing too groundbreaking. It's paired to an 8-speed automatic that does its job. It gets 21 miles per gallon, which isn't too impressive. It does 5,000 pounds. It tows 5,000 pounds, which is just about the the norm for this industry. Um but it's everything else about this car that makes it feel special. For example, it has a ton of space, a ton of space. It has way more space than the Subaru Ascent, especially behind the third row. Um, and actually, seating in the sitting in the vehicle, it's it's wonderful. It really is a truly special family-friendly vehicle. And in addition to all of that, there's features that make the car. Um, perfect for the family. And I know that sometimes I say, you know, a car needs to have, like, one good feature to make sure it stands out among um, its its class. But the Telluride, I'm telling you, they've thrown all kinds of weird gimmicks and gizmos in here. So let me, like, let me explain a couple for you, okay. and you can, as usual, you can shut them down. <laughs> um, so, for example, you've heard of, I think Toyota has this feature, or Honda has this feature, it's like driver easy speak, where you you use a, a, a driver-facing microphone to to project the driver's voice and the speakers in the back, right is the vehicle really big enough that it needs its own
1: p a system like have you ever <laughs> been in a vehicle like even i've even been in buses where you could hear someone talking at the front of the bus like is this i'm not a parent so i i but I was a child, and i remember yeah. I never remember my parents being like, Oh, if only he wasn't so far away we could we could discipline him <laughs> i
0: mean you were you were never um you were always so, you know, you were, a, you were a well-behaved kid, and you listened to your parents. You are probably looking out the window. You are never, like, lost in a book or in your headphones or, you know, playing video games or something like that. So I they, couldn't have, they could don't not afford
1: to... First of all, when I was a kid, portable video games, not a thing.
0: <laughs> well, because of the batteries that came with that Genesis, that Sega uh, Game Gear? Come on, man. That was impossible to Yeah, play. it was like, why not just, like, hook it up to a giant 12-volt battery? <laughs>
1: Maybe get 10 minutes of gameplay. Who knew that color screens were, like, such power grabs?
0: <laughs> I, as well, I had to get shouted at a lot, mainly because I just didn't, like, listening to my parents, I suppose. Um, but that's not the only feature to talk about in this car. It has, like, pretty much the opposite of the, you know... J- Driver uh, PA system. It's called Quiet Mode, um, and what this does is, in case there's a kid sleeping in the second or third row, it shuts off all of the speakers in that area and just plays the um, in the front um, of the vehicle where the the driver and the, the front passenger are. If and only, it keeps if only the,
1: sound worked that way.
0: It keeps the volumes, I think, at a at a low rate, like at seven or something, which is the the maximum it allows it at that in that world. So, so uh, when that's when I cute. Hear,
1: when I hear Quiet Mode. I imagine, like, a fine mist descending from the ceiling and, and anesthetizing the children in the second and third row.
0: So, like, you imagine, like, uh, Mercedes Fragrance, uh, Fragrance Tronic Plus or whatever they call yeah, it. Yeah,
1: except it's, like, instead of like instead of Fragrance Tronic Plus city mood, it's, like, Fragrance Tronic Plus ketamine mood. And like, <laughs> they just put these kids in a K-hole, and then you don't hear from them. You don't hear from them for, like, a week. And then they come back and they tell you about all the... Uh, All the uh, Gamma Goblins they they saw
0: on their trip. (laughs) No, this doesn't do that. It just keeps things quiet. But look, like I said, there's more than that. There's also a rear occupant alert, which warns people um, to check their back seat before they exit the vehicle in case there's somebody taking a nap back there or you forgot about your kid. Um, There's also a safe exit alert system so you don't open the door into oncoming traffic or a cyclist riding by. How does that work? I believe it uses the blind spot cameras. Okay, so... I, and, lo- I just, and, like, stops you from opening the door. Like, the door locks don't trigger.
1: I just want to spitball here for a minute. If you were a serial killer waiting in the back seat and you wanted to trap your victim in the Kia Telluride, all you would have to do is have your serial killing partner ride a bike next to the car in a circle... And they would be completely trapped at all. You reach ahead with, like, you know, the bag or the belt or whatever you're going to use to suffocate them. And they, this like, is getting
0: a r- Suddenly the podcast has become very
1: dark. Could you try not interrupting me while I'm explaining the kill? <laughs> <laughs> and, and and there's nothing you can do. You can't escape is what I'm saying. It's what it, it's, it's, it might as well be called the murder, the murder feature.
0: You know I what? don't know. I don't think. Uh, I'm not sure Kia has developed the feature in mind in the mindset of uh, of serial killers. So I'm not sure. I don't think it'll work, mainly because you need to have a very serial killer um, thought process to create this feature um, and make it work this way.
1: Okay. Well, you yep. know, we'll see what happens when the body count starts to rise.
0: <laughs> in addition to that, this car, um, the blind spot monitoring system in this car is actually kind of interesting. It takes, it, it has a, a Kia take on the Honda lane watch system. So, it doesn't just show you one side of the car when you trigger your your lane, indi- your lane change indicator. It shows you both sides when you need to. Um, it shows it in your gauge cluster rather than the central screen. So that's a little bit more in front of you. Um, and there's also the additional, because I find that kind of distracting, there's also the monitor warning lights in the mirror as well as in a color head-up display. So there's a number of ways to find out. Where and whether somebody's in your blind spot,
1: I find it totally distracting too. I really don't like having video in a car unless i'm traveling at a very low speed like when i'm parking mm-hmm. uh, i I just find that see it's it it pulls your eye away from the road, and I don't think that's helpful in any situation where you're you know at a speed where you could cause a serious accident
0: i I agree with you. Um, at slower speeds, I find it more useful. I, like when I'm trying to make a right turn in, in traffic, this is um, – I mean I'm in Toronto, which is a, a very dense city, and there's a lot of cyclists Humble and brag. pedestrians. And I like being able to see them through the camera rather than trying to peer through um, the pillars, which can be kind of uh, – they can block your view in some ways. So um,
1: who's, who's buying this car? I mean, we have a. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that aggressively in the sense that I don't understand. But I want your take on who decides to buy a Telluride because we have a vehicle that looks very upscale. It looks very imposing, but it's not. I mean, it is upscale in, in terms of what it offers, but it doesn't have the same brand cachet of,
0: say, a Land Rover. So wh- I want you to. I actually want to follow up on what you said after after that which was imposing, and I love the fact that Kia has put in a lot of effort to make this car. Actually, pretty easy to drive with all those features, all of these like cameras and, and alert systems. It makes it seem like it's a far easier car to drive. Who's buying this car? It it really does stack up with the rest of the industry. This thing, fully loaded—that's with with all-wheel drive, with special paint, with a towing package, with an interior package, which I haven't even—I have, even haven't had the time to explain to you yet, which had fantastic headliner of all things it had great leather seats it was it had a vented seats in both the front and second row which i don't even think is, is possible in many cars it's a fully loaded car okay fully loaded with delivery or destination however you want to call that charge 47 725 which is really uh competitive with the rest of the industry
1: yeah it really does i mean a lot of that stuff you just mentioned you're not going to find it in an ascent are you
0: no, no. There's no there's no wireless phone charge in the ascent. There's no head-up display in the ascent. There's no second row, um, uh, vented seats. There's no headliner no composed mic- of a thousand tiny murdered Alcantaras. There's no microphone for the people in the re- in the third row. There's no surround view camera. Can you get on that microphone and freestyle? And if of you, can,
1: you can, okay. Follow up question: Is there a selection of beats like on a Casio keyboard, where like you just start hitting buttons on the dash and you get different beats, and then you can freestyle to the beats?
0: No, I don't think so.
1: Is there a subscription service where you can get fresh Beats every month?
0: <laughs> Kia Uvo Beats? I like that. Yeah. And that would be Kia, great. I Kia mean, Uvo Beats
1: by had, Dre? Question
0: mark? Imagine if they had the same um, ambient lighting system that like the Kia Soul has with where you know the the light strobe to the to the to the beats of the car and you can hear yeah. your own thing that would be sweet I mean, oh why man are the not, why are we why are we not consulted yeah. why are we not being consulted on this kind of stuff i want to talk a little uh, really quickly about what i found to be i don't want to call it the most disappointing but probably the weakest aspect of the Telluride was its drive and i don't mean that in the worst way it is a totally normal car to drive the engine uh, it, it gets the car up to speed. It can make passes on the highway. There's no, it's not fast. It's not slow. It, it just gets the job done. It feels very much like an appliance in that manner. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the way the suspension feels. It was a little too soft for my liking. It can sometimes feel like an old Cadillac after you hit a bump. The well, car's know, still kind of rocking for a, about a meter afterwards.
1: That's kind of a Korean influence though. Cause the Korean domestic market is very into soft suspensions.
0: Absolutely, I remember when I was driving over there. There was a lot of speed bumps as well, and if you had a hard suspension, that's not going to last very long. But the car also has a bunch of drive modes, and this is this. I don't know what I don't know how else to say this. I find this kind of gimmicky. It's I find it kind of useless. I don't know why somebody wants a sport mode in a a three row SUV. No,
1: there should be two modes. There should be normal and towing. I mean, you don't, you don't really need absolutely. anything absolutely.
0: But there's, there's eco, there's sport, there's smart. I really wish there was a, a, an individual mode, which would allow you to you know, custom tailor a couple of the different aspects of the car. These drive modes change the way the torque is split between the front and rear axles as well as the steering wheel. That's uh, a big, that's a
1: big Kia thing, though. Kia's has always been into you – know, remember they had the 50-50 torque lock on some of the SUVs? Yep. And, and, and no one else was doing that in their segment at the time either. They were kind of pioneering
0: that and then there's like these off-road modes there's mud sand and snow um different settings which all seem like they would probably work the same (laughs) um and yeah just to help give people that uh, added confidence this is actually an interesting Contrast. I mean, Subaru has one drive mode and it's called X mode in addition to the normal drive mode. And yeah, I think that's perfectly, fun. Yeah, that's perfectly fine, right? Like I would totally be okay with that. But this has a giant knob that's like all these other things. I don't uh, know. What it's un- mean.
1: It, it is unnecessary. But, you know, it, it kind of fits in with all the other features you were talking about. Like Kia is loading this up because they're after a specific customer and, the, and it's kind of the customer that wants to have everything but wants to have it at an affordable price.
0: And while this thing doesn't have a tow-specific a, a tow mode, at least the model I had, um, it, it does have a self-leveling rear suspension system, which would probably accommodate towing or hauling um, with ease, which I think is insane for a car. Like I said, a car that really is competitive in this class price-wise, it, it has everything, Ben. It has everything that, it's, it's, that each of its rivals has but all in one product. I, it's,
1: it's really crazy to like, you know, that price is really sticking with me. I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around
0: that. And I was, I, I, I'm i downright impressed. If there's anything I have to like complain about, usually Kias aren't on the high end of the price spectrum. And this probably is. And it's not the most fuel efficient. It earns 21 miles per gallon combined. Um, I guess, you know, people might want to buy a three row um, SUV and also save at the pumps and this probably wouldn't be the the one for you
1: yeah but i mean we all know that if you're driving a large heavy vehicle a lot of that fuel mileage that's being advertised anyway is illusory because it's not necessarily reflective of real world driving if heavy vehicles use more gas not Mm. much you can do about that
0: i mean save for putting like a hybrid system in there but even then that adds weight and you would probably not be spending forty seven thousand if it was a hybrid that's right. Um, so I'm impressed. It feels like a class – I don't know if it feels like a class above. It just feels like the perfect product in this class. I, I hate that I'm, I'm just so smitten with it right now. I don't even like three-row SUVs, but this would be the right one, and this is the one I would recommend. If, you know, you can get one, and I understand that they're actually flying off lots. Um, if you can get one, you know, you should give that a chance. You, you should really take that opportunity.
1: Now, have you had a chance to drive the Hyundai
0: Palisade? I have it not yet, and I understand that those reports are like the the North American drive is happening very soon. It's actually, these, I
1: think it's happening this week.
0: And these two cars are, are platform mates; they're they're very similar. Um, I don't know the pricing off the top of my head or the features mix in the, between the two. I would like to see whether or not one has an additional feature over the other, or if or if there's something missing. But I think style wise is what really separates them. And honestly, looking at them, I think the Telluride is actually a more attractive vehicle. Mm.
1: And, you know, Do it's, you have any thoughts on that? I, I think you might be right in terms of uh, attractive design. I think that the Kia does stand out. And I think that's kind of the, the motif across the Kia brand when you compare it to, to Hyundai. Not that there's anything wrong with the Hyundai styling, but I think Kia is, is more extroverted. And when you have a vehicle the size of the Telluride, extroversion is unmistakable.
0: You know, it reminds me of when I was back in Kia's design – Kia and Hyundai's design HQ where Hyundai specifically said they don't want to have that – each car looks like another car. Um, They want each vehicle to look – like have its own identity on its own. And the Palisade definitely doesn't look like any other car in its – in the Hyundai lineup. It really does While I think you can really see the Kia design heritage – um, with the Telluride, it does look like some of the other vehicles in its lineup.
1: I think you're, I think you're right, and and uh, you know, I was thinking, uh, I look at a Telluride, I look at a Soul, and I see them as being part of the same family, but I don't see them as being similar vehicles, and I think that's an interesting
0: achievement. I I agree with you. I'm, again, I'm, I just, I think I wasn't alone when the Stinger came out, and I was and and, and came and went, and we're like, well, where do they go from here, right? Like, mm. what are they going to do with? The, the goodwill that they've built with uh, car enthusiasts and car buyers who want something truly special um, because the next couple of cars I think was the soul and the soul is is an interesting car, but it's not, it just doesn't, it just doesn't do everything. You know what I mean?
1: Well, I mean, we, we're probably looking at, you know, the beginnings of a full makeover of the Kia lineup. And um, I'm really excited to see what's going to happen next. I, I think we're probably on the cusp of a real sports car, uh, some type of rear wheel drive coupe, something like that coming down the line. And uh it's it's gonna be interesting to see how it unfolds.
0: I'm also curious if there's another engine option in the works for the Telluride. I mean the three like I said, the three point eight uh liter V six gets the job done, but maybe that that three point three liter uh twin turbo V six could could do the job too. For like, another five thousand dollars, I mean why not? Looking at looking in the engine bay, it's massive. There's so much extra space; they yeah. can do this for I sure. They could probably put two motors in there. <laughs> Finally,
1: uh, anything else you want to add about the Telluride before we wrap things up?
0: No, I think that's it. It really did surprise me, and I, I think that's Kia's uh, that's Kia's tagline is that they want to surprise people, power to surprise, or something like that. And I was I hate buying into that kind of stuff. It's not perfect, as I mentioned, but it does get um, everything you want in the segment uh, at a reasonable price.
1: And so, what are we going to be talking about next week?
0: Next week, actually, I'd love to talk to you about a new Mercedes that I've driven because it's been too long since I talked about a Mercedes. (laughs) This is the Mercedes GLS, which is their range-topping three-row SUV. It seems to be on the – I'm on that beat recently, so we'll, we'll finish that off.
1: Uh, I'll be talking about the Ford Mustang Performance Pack 1 because we are also on the Mustang beat, and uh, I think this is maybe the only version of the Mustang we haven't talked about on the show this year. So I have some – just a few things I wanted to bring up after spending a week with that car. That sounds uh, great. If Sammy, if people wanted to listen to next week's episode, how would they do that?
0: Well, I recommend them go to our website, that's unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. And while they're there, they can see all of our past episodes. They can also subscribe to our podcast to listen to future episodes. Now, we have a bunch of buttons on the on the podcast that let send you to your favorite podcatcher. So if it's iTunes or Apple Music or Google Play Music or even Spotify, you can figure that out really easily on the website. Otherwise, you can go to your favorite podcast client. Just search us out. We'll be there. We're we're pretty confident we'll be there. And if we're not, please tell us. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and if you want to get in touch with us to let us know that we're not there, you can always find us on social media. Sammy uses Twitter and his handle is at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. You can find me on Instagram at Hunting Benjamin, or you can just email me the old-fashioned way like carrier pigeons used to do, Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. You can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Facebook, and you can find us on Facebook <laughs> because we're not using any other social media for grouping on the show. Uh, anyway, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.